So today I, I would like to speak to, to you guys about being changed by the gospel. Um, and I think it's such a good time to, to do it now. It's such a timely time, um, beginning of the year. I think going into this new year, it's, uh, it's a good message to receive. Again, I won't be talking about anything new. You probably at most would have heard most of this stuff, but um, it just serves to be reminded. And I think also because, you know, we are coming from a holiday. Um, we were, you know, a lot of us were separated, but isolated from our, from our spiritual families. And, and in those times, you know, we do tend to, to struggle with something. We tend to relapse into bad habits and, and doing things we don't really actually want to do. And, uh, and it can lead to a sense of frustration and, and hopelessness. And especially, same with me, I'm no different. Um, so when I was preparing, while I was journeying on this, um, I kept finding myself relating so well to, to what Paul says in, in, in Romans 15, verse uh, 7, verse 15 to 24. Um, if you can just get that up on the board. So, um, so it just kind of reads that um, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do not what, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, I no longer, um, it is I no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living within me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me; that is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body? That is subject to death. Um, and when I first read this, it kind of gives you a sense of hopelessness, you know. Um, it feels like no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, I just I can't seem to get any better. You know, is there any hope of ever improving? Can, can we overcome this? Um, you know, it feels like change is impossible. But um, we all know that it is possible to change. I mean, for the Christians here... Um, just think about how different of a person you are today than of the person that God saved how, how much, however long time ago. Um, and better yet, look at the people around you. See how different they are. Ask your leaders like, like Leonard and even Andrew Selly. They're not the same person they were then. Um, they've changed. You know, God has done a great work in their lives. They've changed. So there is hope. There is hope to change. But so how does it work? How do we, we change, but we still struggle with this thing? How, what is this? It's this weird, you know, tension between... We can change, we see it, but we also see that we cannot change. And I think to understand this better, I want to point something out first. And I think as Christians, you know, we, especially those who have journeyed with God for a while, we tend to become very good at one thing. We, we tend to become very good at when, when life gets tough and when evil comes against us, you know, when we face the evil of this world, we become very, very good at running towards God, you know, turning away and running and clinging onto God in our faith and holding fast to Him, you know, trusting Him in that, that He will take care of it. We, we, we get, become very good at that. But something we don't, we're not often that good at, um, something we tend to forget is that the same evil that comes against us in the, from this world, you know, the same evil we face from the outside also lives with inside us, right? 
we, it, it is so deeply rooted within us. You know, there is the sinful nature inside ourselves that we are constantly contending with. And we try to tend to shy away from that or try not to think about that because we want to think of ourselves as, as good people, you know. We don't want to face up to this. Um, but I think it's not just that we turn away from it or, or not want to think about it or forget about it. It's that I don't think we can comprehend just how deep that evil goes, how, how big and serious that evil is with, inside ourselves. Um, and I'm not saying this to try and make you feel bad. Um, I'm not trying to, to condemn you here. I think, in fact, one day when we stand in front of God and, um, and the depths of our wickedness is finally revealed to us, you know, we are finally facing this, we, um, I think we will rather be overwhelmed by what, that, what the grace and the, and the mercy that the sacrifice of Jesus made on the cross. I think in that moment, we're so overwhelmed by that glory. And what a beautiful and amazing thing that truly is, that I think it will just completely overwhelmed. Um, so this, so I don't, yeah, I don't want to feel, I don't want to make you feel condemned, but I want to get back to the point that say that if we really want to be changed and if we want to really have the, the gospel change our lives, it is important for us to open our eyes towards our own wickedness. We should be aware of this thing. We shouldn't go into this blind, right? Um, because even Paul calls himself wicked. He says, wretched man that I am. He calls himself wicked. So if Paul, who wrote such a large part of the New Testament, thinks he is wicked, how much more aren't we, right? Um, <laughs> and this wickedness is not, it's not something I can explain to you. I can't tell you, Leonard, you're a terrible person, you know, this and this and this reason. It won't really sink in. It, it's not something that I can convey to you. It's something that you will most likely be confronted by in your walk with Jesus. And multiple times, probably, you, you will get to the point where you see, oh my goodness, I'm a terrible person. You know, I'm doing this horrible thing and I just, you know, I can't, I can't get a grip on it. Um, and I want to warn you against doing the thing that I think we're all tempted to do in that moment. When once we're confronted by our wickedness, we are always tempted to run back towards the law. We want to go back, um, and I think, you know, it says, when I try to do good, instead I do evil. Paul says it. I try to do good, and instead I do evil. We run back towards the law, and we say, we're going to do better. Um, and you might say, you know, we are under the new covenant. We don't believe in that stuff anymore. We don't believe in the law. You know, we're set free, new covenant, all those things. But trust me, I think even in our charismatic, you know, more movement, charismatic movement, um, we, we do the same thing. We just kind of use a, a little bit of a different language for it, a bit more spiritual language. We, we kind of say like, God, I'm, I'm going to double down. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible harder. I'm going to you know, really spend my quiet times better. I'm going to be more faithful in those things. I'll confess my sins. I'll lay it all down. Yeah, I'll do better at this thing. I'll, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'm just going to be better. And we tend to make ourselves a nice, neat list of things that we feel like we should do to become better people. Um, and then what does this list do? Um, inevitably, this list will make things worse. I'm telling you now. Because this list has two possible outcomes. The first outcome is I fail. I don't do the things that I set out to do. I don't, you know, I'm not as good at reading my Bible. I'm not as faithful with my quiet times. I start failing, and then at some point I keep failing, I keep failing, I keep trying. And at some point I get hopeless, and I say, it's not worth it. You know, I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm just going to, I give up. And then we fall back into worse habits. It's a kind of like it spirals even worse, because now we feel like we've changed, like we've tried, and we haven't changed, and, you know, we can't do anything about it. But the second thing, 
The second option that can happen, and I feel like this one's even worse, is it might be that you actually succeed in keeping to that list. You might actually be able to do the things on the list. And then, once you start doing those things, well, me, when I do those things, when I get it right, I become smug. And I think, I'm not doing too bad, huh? Um, I mean, I'm not good yet, but at least I'm getting better. You know, and the self-righteousness starts creeping up in me. And I think, I think, right, like, I'm, I'm trying, I'm getting better, and, and like, you know, I'm not, I'm not great yet, but at least I'm better than this guy, who's not even trying, right? He's, like, surely, that means much means something. And, and, like, inside ourselves, we start thinking that, even though we don't actually think, it's just subconscious, we start thinking, because I'm doing better, surely God should bless me. You know, surely I'm entitled to something here. This action should give me something back. And this entitlement will inevitably lead to frustration because we won't get the things we feel like we deserve, because we feel like we deserve good things, and sometimes those things don't come. And that frustration will lead to anger, and then that anger will start bubbling up and bubbling up until at some point I look up and I shake my fist at God and say, why aren't you giving me what I want? I deserve better than this. I'm done here, and I turn my back, and I walk away towards my own destruction. Um, and so you see, it, it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous to be blind to the evil inside ourselves and, exact, and actually how helpless we are to fight against that evil on us, uh, yeah, fight against the evil by ourselves. So I'm going to tell you guys now, don't lie to yourselves. You know, don't try and lie to yourself. It doesn't work. But then, how do we change? You know, is doing these good things bad? Is it a bad thing to want to read your Bible? Is it a bad thing to try and spend time with the Lord? All those things, of course not. Of course it isn't. We all know it isn't. Romans 7 verse 7 also says, What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. So we know it's a good thing. Um, <clears throat> but there's a difference in doing, in how we go about doing these good things. Um, it's not just about doing a good thing. It's about why we do the good thing. You know? Is the good thing a means to an end? Am I doing it to impress God? You know? Am I doing it to get something from Him? Or even, am I doing it to feel better about myself? Am I doing it so that in the mornings I can wake up, look in the mirror, and say, like, oh, you don't have to feel bad about yourself. You don't have to feel so bad. You're doing good. You're doing fine. Or the other option is, is doing the good thing an end, on, an end in of itself? Are you doing it just to spend time with God because God is great? Just to be with Him because that's where you want to be. You want to be by His feet and you want to be in His presence because He is good. That's the difference. Um, but then, so what now? Um, how do we make sure we do this, this for the right reasons, right? It's, uh, it's, easy, it's an easy thing to say, but... Just, you know, out of your own self, try and do it for the right reasons. I almost guarantee you it's, it's pretty much impossible. So then we move on to, to Romans 8, verse 1 to 3. Um, and it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And that's the most amazing thing, right? We go from most wretched man I am, how evil I am, how despicable I am, to there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So even though you're evil, even though you're wicked, even though you do the wrong things, you are still, you still have no condemnation. You're still wiped clean. And that is just amazing. And then it goes on to say, because through Christ Jesus, 
the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by flesh, so what I was powerless to do, the law, because I'm weakened by my flesh, what I'm incapable of doing, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin to the flesh. So what I did make no, made no difference. It's what God did, what Jesus did that made all the difference, right? There's the difference. And I just want to, I just want to stand still here. This is the gospel. This is the gospel truth. You might be feeling so guilty. You might be feeling so frustrated and so sad and so disappointed because you keep relapsing into the same stupid mistakes, doing the same sinful things. But I want to let you know that you are, there's no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. You're set free of these things. God looks not at your righteousness, looks at the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your place. And I think this is something we should just hammer into our hearts continuously. Focus back on this thing. It's not what you're doing. It's don't measure your relationship with the Lord based on your faithfulness towards Him. That's pointless. Measure it on His faithfulness alone. Um, so we are changed through the gospel, right? And it's actually the most amazing thing, really. Because once we come to salvation, in the beginning, you, it, it came so naturally to you. You know, you changed so easily. The gospel came into your life. It took root. And you just became a different person, right? It almost felt like you didn't do anything at all. It's just you woke up and your way of thinking was different. What you wanted was different. The way you went about things was different. But it's after we, we tend to grow as Christians for a while, then we start wanting to do this thing by ourselves. We want to now say, like, okay, now I have to do something to take this, to, 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 to take this thing further, right? It's, like, it's almost like we want to complete through works that which God started through faith. It's, it's inevitable, almost. It's, like, it's almost pre-programmed into us. Um, so rather, let us let faith complete its, its, its works that it started. So how do we do this? How do we let the, the gospel penetrate deeper into our hearts? How do we allow this gospel to, to change us? Because we all know the gospel in our heads. We know the truth. We know what God has said. But how do we get it to penetrate deeper? How do we get it to change, the, to change us, to change the way we do things? And here we come to, to the second step. And I want to do this in three steps. Um, and I want to make this as practical as I can. Um, so if you want to see change, um, the next step is to figure out why you sin. Um, it's important. We, we don't want to just treat the symptoms of our sins. We don't want to just stop doing the bad things. We want to get to the root of it. Why are we sinning? Why are we doing the, the things we do? Because people don't just sin. Um, there's usually a reason for it, right? You're not just greedy for the sake of being greedy. People that are greedy, they want money because they feel like that money can give them something. Oftentimes, it can be some, like for many different reasons, some of it could be they feel like through that money they can, can control their circumstances. They can gain that control and dictate how their lives will play out. They'll feel safe then, you know, they'll feel secure. Or through that money that other people will be impressed by them and they will receive the respect and the love that they feel they deserve. Or when people lie, they can lie for multiple reasons. They also want to lie to maybe they're insecure and they want to impress people and through that receive the love that they think they need. Or again, control their circumstances because if I can set the narrative, I can decide how my life is going to play out and I'll make sure that I'm fine. Or even if you're just lusting after men or women, um, it, it, it's a way of looking for that love, that acceptance, that the thing you feel you need or require. Even just for 
power. You feel like if you can bend people to your will, that's like you can take control. So there's often something behind your sin. Um, and that is, like Kristen said, it's an idol. There's often, well, in, in most cases, in pretty much all cases, there's an idol behind your sin. There's an idol that, um, that is taking the place that Jesus needs to take on the throne of your life. Um, and our first step should be to identify those idols, to see why it is that we, you know, what is controlling our actions from behind that. Um, but removing an idol isn't easy. It's not just taking it away. To get rid of an idol, it needs to be replaced because something needs to sit at the throne of your life, right? Something needs to be there. And if we look at the world and how people in the world go about this, um, they tend to exchange one idol for another, right? Um, if you look at billionaires, once they get rich and successful, get all the money in the world, and they still feel lacking and empty, oftentimes they will just decide maybe to start a charity, you know, give lots of money away, um, and then, you know, then they'll start, maybe they think, this will give me purpose in life. This will make me feel good. This will make me feel whole. Because now people will respect me. People will see how good I am, how charitable I am, how nice I am. And, um, and it's a waste. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, right? It's a good thing to give money away. And you might be helping a lot of people, but you're not getting to the root of the issue. The root of the issue is there's an idol, and you're missing something. And just replacing it with another idol is going to be empty. Because idols never live up to their promises. Um, they, yeah, so, I mean, just look at, look at in the world, the very rich and powerful people. Their lives are still a mess, you know. They often get divorced. Their children despise them. It's just, it's a complete and utter mess because idols lie. Um, so we know that the only true way for this thing to work, and this is the third step and the final step, is to replace that, the, these idols with Jesus. Um, and, you know, trust me in this, from my own life, um, when I was at my lowest point, I think, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, I, when I was studying, I, I got, when I was doing my master's, I, I got such horrible, horrible depression. I got to a, such a low point of such hopelessness that I know that if it wasn't for God and his love and his mercy, that I might have done something to harm myself in, that, in those times. Um, but it was through a lot of, you know, frustrated pleading and praying and journeying on this thing and speaking to people that at some point I realized that I had put an idol in my life in the place of Jesus. I had placed my achievements and my own intellectual ability in that spot. I felt like in, in, in my head, this is how I grew up. This I felt like was the gift that God gave me. And other people through affirming it, through being very nice, it was not, not no fault of their own, but they said, oh, you're smart, you're good at this. Then I was like, okay, this is my thing. I'm going to, you know, this is the thing that's going to make me successful. It's going to think that's going to give me, you know, purpose for my life. You know, this is, this is, I can, I can follow this and achieve something. Um, and it got to a point where I didn't get any of the things I thought, you know, this idol promised. I became miserable. I frustrated. I was hopeless. And, and, uh, you know, I, I was left with nothing. Um, and it was at that point where, I realized it is an idol, um, and I had to get rid of it. But at that point, I was so stuck, and I wondered, how do you get rid of this idol? How do you replace the bad thing with the good thing, right? Um, and, it, and I'll tell you, the thing that really helps is, if you compare any idol with 
the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll immediately break that spell. It's the easiest way to shatter any of those things. Because I saw when I compared the two, when, I, when, when the therapist I was seeing at that point asked me, so if you can have anything in the world, anything, what do you want? Um, and I was so down and low at that point, and I started thinking, what, what is it that, I set, that I'm setting out to achieve if I was to get this? What, you know, I thought like money, um, you know, the respect of all the people around me, the, the love, you know, that I, that I wanted from, from the people close to me, um, fame or glory, you know, all these things. This is, this is the, thought that, the things that I thought I wanted. And when I looked closely at it, I thought, it's worthless. I can't take this with me when I die. It's, it's going to all disappear. And even in my lifetime, it's not going to fulfill me, Right? It's gonna ring hollow anyway. I mean, again, look at look at celebrities who have all the love in the world. People that are fanatically screaming and shouting and running afterwards. They are the loneliest people in the world. They are without anything. Um, they they run to drugs and alcohol to to give them something. And and to billionaires again, they'll never have enough money. They keep chasing after more and more and more because there's just never enough. But when I look back at the gospel and the things that I already had in God, and I saw that he gave me security, he gave me love and affection, and he promised friendship and joy and intimacy and security and glory forever, not just in this lifetime, forever. It lasts forever. And suddenly that choice just becomes so simple, right? It becomes so easy because it's, it's a focus shift. The shift like of your focus just goes from the hollow promises that, you know, is obscured because often idols lie to us, they obscure it, to the clarity and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and it's at that point that, that the change happened deeper. It's at that point that the gospel started penetrating. And I don't want to lie to you, it's not an, it's not an instant change. It is an instant change, but it's not instantly everything was correct. It's a long journey because you are walking towards a direction. You know, you're walking towards the end goal. You know, you're closer and closer to God, but it is a long journey still. Um, so, but it is like an athlete, you know, who is so disciplined in training every day. You know, they put their bodies through such pain and intense training, but they do it so diligently and so, you know, with such almost self-sacrifice because they know that there is a goal at the end that is worth reaching. They know that the gold medal at the end is worth putting themselves through all this stuff. And it's the same with, with the story in the Bible with Jacob and Rachel. You know, he didn't like working from his uncle. For, you to, for, the, for those of you who don't remember, he um, ran away from his, from his brother after stealing his inheritance, and he went to his uncle. And there he saw Rachel, um, and he immediately fell in love with her. And he he, his, his uncle said he, he can work for him, and then he asked, but I want to marry your daughter. And the uncle said, okay, that's fine. You can marry, marry her, but you have to work for seven years. Um, and he said, that's fine. I'll do it. I'll do it for seven years. And after seven years, his uncle tricked him, and he didn't get what he wanted. So the uncle said, but if you work seven more years, I'll give you what you want. And he said, it's fine. I'll do it because it was worth it. You know, It's that change. It's that chasing of the thing that you think is so much, so worth it that you're willing to sacrifice everything else. It just comes, it just happens naturally. And that is what happens when you put Jesus in that spot. When Jesus takes the throne of your life, the self-discipline to, to read your Bible, the spending time with God, it just comes so natural. 
at that point. That it, it's not change you do of your own. It's change that he brings out from inside. And um, yeah, and I want to just end off on this thing. That if if um, yeah, if that's if this is you at this point, if you are frustrated and you feel stuck and you feel like nothing you do is changing, um, you know, you try so hard, but but you're still stuck in the same rut. Um, I just want to, you know, I just want, I just want to pray for us in this um, because you know there is hope and change is available to us, and God has already done the hard work. Um, so I just want to, just want to end off in prayer for us. Yeah, um, I want to ask Leonard. Yeah, thanks, Rainer. That was really good. Um, I think it's it's something that for all of us will hit home in some way or another. So let's let's actually respond um, to to that word. I think that was it was brilliant. I think all of us can listen and say, "Yep, <laughs> that's me." Uh, I know that I can definitely. So maybe if the worship team can come to the front and let's the rest of us quickly stand and let's take a moment to respond. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. It felt it felt really simple, but so true, so so true. What he said. Um, so maybe let's let's take a moment, just as the worship team starts playing. Let's take a moment to. I think the big thing that I want to take out of his message is to ask God to identify where the idols are in our hearts, because it's easy to identify that there is an idol. Maybe it's a little bit more difficult to identify what exactly that idol is. You'll identify the idol by knowing that you may be struggling to get to God, that you're not intimate with Him. Then you know, oh, shuck, something's up. But then you need to ask God now, Lord, please show me what it is. Show me what it is. And He mentioned so many examples, but I think it's good for us to just come before the Lord and ask, Holy Spirit, come and look into my heart. Come and show me the things that I don't even understand of myself. Come and show me the wretched parts of myself. Please reveal it to me, because when he reveals it to you now, then we can bring it before him and say, Lord, help me to put you in your rightful place. Okay, so let's do that. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to pray for us. And it's so beautiful that the Holy Spirit does do this. He does reveal these bad things in our hearts. He reveals it to us, not to condemn us, but actually so that we can do something about it, so that we can ask Jesus to forgive us. And I've seen this happening so many times where you maybe sit with someone for counseling, but when you stop and you say, okay, but let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us where this issue is coming from. So many times He is so faithful to show us exactly what it is. So let's just take a moment, just close your eyes, just focus on the Lord. Lord, just as we're standing here, God, all of us have sinned. If we say we do not have sin, we are lying to ourselves and we're lying to you. Lord, we, we have sinned. We fall short. We do not get to, to your standards, Lord. That is the truth. But Lord, thank you that we serve a God that does not leave us in that place, but a God who, will, who is always faithful to come and reveal to us where there are areas of our lives that we've placed above Jesus. And so, Lord, as we stand here, as each of us stand here, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and speak to us. We prayed in the beginning for fruitful, uh, fruitful soil in our hearts, hearts that your word can penetrate, Lord. So as we open up our hearts, as we say, Lord, our hearts are fruitful soil, come and plant in it, come and, come and 
work it. Come and do what you want in our hearts, Lord. Our hearts are open to you. Just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each of us. Speak to us. Where there is sin, Lord, we know that it's not just about the sin. Come and show us in a moment. Just show us where the deeper things lie. Show us that. Just take a moment. Let's just take a minute or two. Just speak to the Lord. Let's, um, let's pray together. Let's pray together. If you're not sure what it is, there is something. <laughs> there is something. So you can still just bring your heart before the Lord. But if you know, if the Lord is revealing something to you, let's come before Him in repentance. Meaning just come to Him and just say, sorry, Lord, and help me. And I want to put Jesus in His right place. So let's do that. I'm going to pray. And uh, won't you just, if, if this is you, won't you just, you don't have to repeat after me, but just pray with me, agree with me. Pray in your own words if you want, or just say amen as I'm praying. So Lord, I thank you for the fact that you are the only one who is worth sitting on the throne of our hearts. Lord, we know that when we do that, when you are in your right place, Lord, things just make sense. It's like the things of this world go strangely dim, Lord. It's like, it's like everything just fits when you are in your right place, Lord. But so often as human beings, we forget and we take you off of that throne and we place other things on the thrones of our hearts, Lord. And we want to come as your people, Lord. And we want to say, we are so sorry, Lord. We are so sorry, Lord. Just get the image of, um, while I'm praying, of, of, of Jesus hanging on the cross and those people spitting in his face. And still he forgave them. And Lord, I feel like so many times we are the ones that are spitting in your face. You forgive us. You show us the way, you love us, you guide us, but still we say other things are more important. It's like we are spitting in your face. But God, I thank you that when you were on that cross, you looked down and you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, I thank you that that same forgiveness is here today. That same forgiveness that when we forget and we we spit in your face and we live for other things. Lord, even in that place, you come with your love and your grace and you say, Father, forgive these people because they know not what they do. They are forgetful, Lord. We, we proclaim that we are forgetful, Lord. We confess that we are forgetful. And we just pray, Lord, come and have your rightful place in our hearts. And if that's you, just pray that out. Just pray. Simple prayers. Lord, come and have your rightful place in our hearts, Lord. Forgive me for placing other things above you. Forgive me, forgive me, Lord. Praise you, God. Just going to let Mac maybe share a quick testimony, and then we go into a time of worship where we just, let's just sing one song as we end and just do business with the Lord. So approximately a year and a half ago, uh, a leader, quite a senior leader in Josh Jen, said something to me that really got my back up and really got me offended. And so I was processing for about six months 
why can't I just release this? And I just, a year and a half ago, wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. And uh, at one, we were doing a course, presenting a course somewhere. And uh, I was lying down on this mountain top. I walked up right, I'm wrestling with God. I need to bless his brother and love him and not have any offense towards him. And I lay on my back um, on this rock outcrop. And, you know, you look at the clouds. It's like another world's like uh, scuba diving, you know, or snorkeling. It's like just you're like swallowed up by the clouds. So beautiful. And I was saying, God, why am I so struggling with this? And God said the following thing to me. He said, Mac, you are too big in your own eyes. And I want to put a challenge out to you. Isn't your self-preservation, aren't you your biggest idol? I know I am. I have to fight that. I have become, and then I said, Lord, and, but what he said wasn't right. And God says, even though it wasn't true, I, I moved him to say that for you to see your idol. I moved him. It was my will. And how can I fight that? And since then, and it's not like this only started a year and a half ago. The day of my conversion, God was challenging me, lay down your life, die to self. I mean, it's been an ongoing process. It just doesn't stop. And uh, the more people give you praise, the more people follow you, follow your guidance, look up to you, the harder it becomes. There's a proverb that says, as a crucible is to silver and as a furnace purifies gold, so the praise of one man tests the heart of another man. So I want to, and, and I got through that. And every time when that thing starts cringing, I say, Mac, you're nothing. You must prefer your brother above yourself. Raise them up. And it's not a new thing. But God has to re-massage that all the time in our hearts. So I want to put out to you, maybe you are your biggest idol. You. So let's worship. Let's just end and bring our, our hearts before the Lord, okay? Whatever it is, whatever God has been convicting you of, let's put Him in His rightful place by singing about Him and, and glorifying Him, okay? So let's just stand just the last, the last little bit and then we're going to end. say
like our Christianity can be complicated sometimes but it's also so simple we just need to make you the center of it all Lord it's actually so simple in one sense Lord and Lord thank you for this um, I just feel incredibly grateful Lord for the fact that you brought us this message tonight Lord that you realigned us to your gospel to a gospel that says it's not by works it's not by what you can do but it's what by by what Jesus has done on the cross and it's by loving him for what he's done Lord thank you thank you for your simple gospel for the simplicity of following you in a big sense Lord and we just want to we just want to commit this year Lord I want to commit Lord I want to commit myself and I know that we as a people we want to commit to saying Lord help us to put you in your rightful place and to keep you there and when we keep you there and times are tough because that's the greenhouse you're putting us in Lord, help us to eradicate every other thing that wants to come in to having you in your rightful place in our lives. We love you, our Lord. We love you so much. Amen. 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 That was it. Sunday mode number one for